to go as a representative of the Lord, but they go as a representative of you. And so your prayers and your support, and, and, and they bring, you know, First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia to Malawi, Africa, and you're a part of that. Um, so I hope you understand, you know, what, what all goes into that. So it's great, great to have him back, and I'm, I'm sure you'll be encouraged when you hear um, the stories and all the things that went on there. But I am excited to be with you guys this morning. I, you know, I can't wait to be here full time. I, I really can't, but that will happen uh, soon enough, I suppose, in the Lord's timing. And um, like Jeff said, hopefully early June, our kids have had five snow days this year, even though our area has got like three inches of snow, I think, for this <laughs> winter. But to be fair, there's been a lot of ice and a lot of freezing rain and stuff like that. So I'm not even sure when they're getting out of school uh, at this point. But shortly after that occurs, our plan is, is to move this way. So um, if it crosses your mind to pray for us, uh, we would sure appreciate that. And I know a lot of you have already been doing that. And so, so thank you for that. This time, uh, I have my oldest son, Tanner, uh, with me. Jennifer wasn't able to be this time. She's home with the kids. And by the way, I, so I have two other kids. I have Tanner, who's 18. Tanner is uh, hanging out in, in the uh, balcony this morning. So those you can't see him, but uh, there's Tanner. And um, I have two other kids, Jackson and Kate, and I, they're just getting extremely jealous that they haven't been able to come uh, yet. But, you know, we'll, they'll be here soon enough. But uh, Tanner is finishing up his senior year in high school, and, and so over the next couple of days, we're going to do some college visits and, and, and have, some, have some fun with that. Uh, so if you cross paths with Tanner this morning, tell him hi. He'll, he'll love that. Um, uh, but as most of you, I, I'm sure, are aware, we're in the midst of a study going verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, and we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter 3 this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. And in these first eight verses... Of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to attempt to answer the question, are ye yet carnal? And listen, I'm thinking the same thing you guys are. I think the pastors got together and said, let's send the new guy to deliver this message. <laughs> yeah, duly noted. I appreciate that, guys. And I joke about that. And I joke about that, but you do have to know that Paul's message to the Corinthian church and accordingly God's message to us this morning isn't soft. You know, I want you to know that, that God is a God of love and, and He is gracious and He is merciful from, from a sermon perspective. That's not today's message. <laughs> Just know that going in, but that's not what you're going to hear today. The, the message this morning is direct and is penetrating. And we'll get to what it is in a minute, but first we have to connect this morning's text to chapter 2, because it is a continuation of chapter 2, and we know that it is a continuation of chapter 2, because the first word of chapter 3 is and. And just to give you a quick, quick reminder of grammar rules, the word and is a conjunction that is used to connect words of the same part of speech, the same clauses or sentences that are to be taken jointly. So that means we're to take chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 3, jointly with chapter 2. And listen, God has preserved his word perfectly, even, even down to the numbering of the verses and the chapters. So chapter 3 is supposed to be its own chapter, but it's also connected to the previous chapter, and God does that sort of thing a lot. So what's the connection? Well, well Matt finished up chapter 2 last week talking about getting inside the mind of Christ. You remember, remember that, right? And one of the things we learned last week is that the only folks that can get inside the mind of Christ are those that are in Christ. 
You see, Paul laid out the distinction between what he called the natural man and the spiritual or the spiritual man. And the natural man who is, is one who is not born again, one who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore does not have the Holy Spirit within him. We saw that last Sunday, but let's look at it together quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So in that passage, Paul delineates between the natural and the spiritual, or, or you could even say the natural and the supernatural. And what Paul is saying through that passage is if you really want to get inside the mind of Christ, if you desire the true wisdom, not worldly wisdom, but true life-changing hidden wisdom from the Lord, according to verse 7 of chapter 2, then first you need to be born again. You need to move from the natural to the spiritual, from the natural to the supernatural. But it doesn't stop there. It has to start with being born again. It has to start with becoming spiritual. But unfortunately, for some of us, that's not the only qualification. Because in chapter 3, Paul introduces the concept of carnality as another barrier to receiving everything God has for us. So with that background in mind, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll read verses 1 through 8. Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye, ab- are ye now, now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye have believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to teach us uh, something this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Uh, we thank you for, for your word, and we thank you for the time that we have to spend in it this morning. Lord, we thank you for even the hard passages, the hard messages from your word that, uh, that uh, give us the opportunity to look inside uh, just to see where we're at. And so, Lord, I ask you to do that with each of us this morning, and that you will uh, convince and convict uh, where is needed, Lord, and that you will teach us something in your word Lord, I pray that everything that is said is true to your word. I pray everything that is done is glorifying to you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as you can see from our text this morning, you know, Paul doesn't pull any punches here. He, he, he calls it like he sees it. And Jeff talked about that being Paul's style a couple weeks ago. And Paul calls the Corinthian church out on its carnality. And just to give you a definition... I think you probably know, but just to give you a definition of carnality here at the beginning, carnal means fleshly or temporal. It is a worldly focus instead of an eternal focus. So Paul calls the Corinthians out very directly on being that way on their carnality. 
And in doing so, he makes another distinction between people. We talked about how he broke out the spiritual from the natural in chapter 2. And here we see a subcategory to spiritual that is carnal. And I say subcategory to spiritual because those in the carnal group are believers. They have been born again. We know that because Paul calls them brethren and babes in Christ in verse 1. Look at that. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. You are spiritual, but I couldn't speak unto you that way. But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So no matter what your Reformed friends might tell you, there is such a thing as a carnal Christian. And this is important because you have to understand this if you ever truly want to answer the question that I've used as a title for this message, Are Ye Yet Carnal? And I know I told you earlier that, that, that we're going to attempt to answer that question, but what I'm really going to attempt to do is give you some parameters so that you can answer that question yourself. Because, I mean, really, at the end of the day, only you and God know. And I want you to leave today being honest with yourself on where you're at with the Lord. And if we're going to accomplish that, if we are going to be able to leave church this morning answering the question, are ye yet carnal? There are some things you need to know. And I think this passage lays out two specific areas of knowledge that we have to get down. And again, this is important because of, of what we've talked about these past couple weeks. We should desire to get inside the mind of Christ. We should desire to know and understand the hidden mysteries of wisdom so that we can live our lives according to those truths. I mean, why? Because that is where God will get the most glory. When we have his mind, when we really understand what he is doing in our life, when we understand what he is doing in this world. And isn't that what our lives are to be about, him and his glory? Yeah, the answer is yes. In case, in case you're not sure, the answer is yes. That's what our lives are to be about, and we'll never get there if we are natural or carnal. So there are some things you need to know. And first, I mean, this is just what we've already been talking about, but we'll, we'll give it to you as a point in your outline there. You need to know where you stand. You need to know where you stand. You need to know specifically where you stand with the Lord. And all I mean by that, for illustrative purposes, let's say you need to know what bucket you are in today. Are you natural, carnal, or spiritual? What bucket, so to speak, are you in today? And we're going to spend the majority of our time on those last two, because that's our text. But I include the natural, because if you have never been born again, if you have never placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, and this, then this is the most important question you will ever ask yourself. You see, if there has never been a time in your life that you've called upon the Lord to save you, then according to the Bible, you are still a natural man. And as a natural man, you are dead in your sins and have not been quickened or made alive according to Ephesians 2.1. You are spiritually dead in your natural state. And I want you to pay attention to the words that I said. You are dead in your sins. Not just because of your sins. 
not by your sins. No, it's deeper than that. You are dead in your sins because if you are not in Christ, then according to the Bible, you are in Adam. And in Adam, all die. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And when you are in your sins, in Adam you have been separated from God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. So what has to happen is those sins, your sins that have separated you from God have to be paid for. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. You see, there is a wage to be paid, and the wage of sin is death. Eternal separation from God, ultimately being cast into the lake of fire, according to Revelation chapter 20. But praise the Lord, that verse doesn't stop there. Because it goes on to say that the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you find yourself in the natural bucket today, you need to get out. And the good news is, the good news of the gospel is God made a way out. And that way is Jesus. He paid for your sins through his own shed blood on the cross. We sang about it this morning. You just have to call upon him and place your faith in him to realize that payment for yourself. And if you need that explained to you, come forward when we're singing at the end of the service and someone will talk to you and show you how and what it means to be saved. So we had to start with the natural man. But you're at church this morning, so I trust that most of you in here today have moved from that state. There was a moment in your life where you gave your life to the Lord and you were saved. But you still need to know where you stand. Are you carnal or spiritual? Well, let's look at our text again and let's pull out some clues to help us know. In the first uh, two verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. Now as we begin to analyze these verses, it becomes very obvious that carnality, that temporal fleshly focus, is associated with the lack of spiritual growth in one's life. In fact, Paul calls these carnal Christians babes, babies. He says, you haven't grown properly. He says, I... I could only give you milk. I I couldn't give you meat when I was there with you. And and you still haven't grown. Even to this day, all you can take is milk. That's all you can handle. And we know that when Paul's talking about milk and meat, he's referring to the Word of God. He He is saying you can only handle the simple truths. I can't give you the deeper things of God because you're not doing right by what you have now. And we know this by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Hebrews chapter 5. Verses 12 through 14 says, for when for, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 
So the first characteristic of a carnal Christian is someone who is unskilled in the Word of God. Now understand, there are different reasons why this may be true. I mean, someone who is unskilled in the Word of God obviously could be a new believer. Maybe that's you. And maybe you've only been saved for a short time, and you don't know a lot, but man, you want it. And you want to learn. Well, praise the Lord for that. That is exactly how you should be. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Peter knows we understand babies wanting to eat. All of us who are parents are well acquainted with that. So Peter uses that as the physical example of the issue of spiritual growth. You only grow by eating. And this is very basic, but worthy of reminder. Because spiritual growth for the Christian is guaranteed if you want it. But it is not automatic. Salvation is free by faith, but growth is no more assured than it is for, for the, maybe the starving children that, that Jeff saw in Malawi, Africa, or wherever. There are things that you have to do in order to grow. Now, if you have moved out of the natural man bucket, then you are spiritual. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That means you have the spiritual DNA to succeed and to be a mature Christian. But... You can stunt your growth with improper nutrition. When Christians are not regularly feeding on the Word of God, they cannot grow. Peter's analogy is perfect because all of us who are parents know what infants do. And just in case you're not a parent, let me paint a scenario for you. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. And you had a long day at work or at home, whatever. And you go to bed late because you had extra stuff to do around the house. And all of a sudden, something is wrong in the baby's room. And what's wrong is their stomach alarm went off. And you may be tired, but that has nothing to do with it. All the baby knows is that its stomach says... It is time to get the food it needs to grow. That baby wants some milk, and they want it now. And if you don't get up, you're not going to sleep. <laughs> you know, the first time the baby cries, you can put your pillow over your head. It's just going to get louder. <laughs> An infant makes demands for food and doesn't quit until you've satisfied those demands. And Peter says, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to grow out of carnality, be like that. Cry for, scream for, nag for the unadulterated milk of the Word of God. You have to get fed. It doesn't matter how much you enjoy a church service. It doesn't matter how good you look, how much you clap your hands, how good the praise is. If you do not get fed, you do not grow. And at the end of the day, you have to have food. If a baby is hungry and you bring it a stuffed animal, it's not going to work. They're not going to be happy. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, come on, parents. Give, give me a witness here. 
when you try to distract the baby with something else, it's just going to make things worse. That cry goes from loud to ridiculous. Why? Because the toy does not help the baby grow. And when the baby's hungry, it wants food. That's why we tell you like it is here. Because the church does not do its job unless it helps you grow. And it does not help you grow unless it is giving you the word. So this is really simple. If you're new to the faith, what you need to do is learn the word of God. Get discipled. Come to all the church services you can. This Sunday, started a how to study the Bible class. Ding, 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 ding. Listen, that class ought to be held in here because there's no room in any other rooms. You want to learn the Bible, man, come on. Throw yourself into this book and conform your life to it. That is how you will grow, how you will be able to get your focus off of your own temporal and fleshly desires. Let the Word of God do the work in your life that only it can do. But it can't do that work if you don't spend time in it. When Paul was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verses 12 and 13, he encouraged Timothy to let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So whether you're young in physical age or spiritual age, or both, there's the advice you need. Be an example in your words and your lifestyle and how you love. And how do you do that? You give attendance to. You show consistency or pay attention to. Be given to reading and exhortation and doctrine. That means you read the Word of God, you study the Word of God, and you apply the Word of God. That's what you need to do. That is how you avoid becoming carnal. But here's the thing. In our passage in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is not talking to new believers. He is talking to those who were saved under his ministry during the 18 months he spent in Corinth, and, and they're still there under Apollos and other leaders. These are folks who've been saved for a while and ought to be at a place where they have a handle on the Word of God. And they are applying it to their life, and they're living by the principles found therein. And many of you listening to me right now have been saved for a while. You're not new to the faith. Well, if I could be so bold, let me ask you, how would you rate your handle on the Word of God? Are you a milk drinker or a meat eater? And part of determining that answer is knowing whether you are able to feed yourself. You see, milk for a baby at first, it comes from the mom. Or even if it's formula, someone has to give that baby the bottle. Babies can't feed themselves. Well, by the time a child is able to eat meat, guess what? They can feed themselves by then. They might have a little plastic fork, but man, they can shove it down in there and they can feed themselves. It doesn't mean they won't make a mess. It doesn't mean they won't ever need help. It doesn't mean that they're not even sometimes going to be fed by someone else. But by the time a child can eat meat, they're old enough to feed themselves. Unless there are extenuating circumstances, of course. So let me ask you, believer, is the only spiritual food you take in 
what you get here on Sunday mornings? Or even Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? I mean, that's good. You need the good food that is being delivered at those times. But if that's all you get, and you're not at the point in your spiritual life where you are able to feed yourself some, then your growth is stunted. You're not growing spiritually like you should, like you could if you would just commit yourself to the Word of God. Listen, if you have a five-year-old who is only still drinking milk, well, well, something's not right. You have to get to a point where your body needs more, and that takes growth. You know how it is. With milk, all you have to do is suck. But with meat, you got to slice and chew. So you know you've graduated from milk to meat spiritually when you got to chew on it. you got to meditate on it a little bit and say, you know, that's deep. Let me think about that for a minute. And you know you've graduated from milk to meat when you're able to accept those words from God that aren't so easy to swallow. You know, sometimes you don't always like what you hear from a sermon on Sunday or from what God is showing you in your own life. But the key is your response in those times. Because your response shows maturity. Because milk is easy to swallow and digest. The meat is harder. And if you take those hard messages and accept them and apply them, that's maturity. That's eating the meat of God's word. And you're growing out of carnality. But, but then there's even a deeper level that we saw in Hebrews. And I don't know if you caught it or not. But in Hebrews 5, it talks about strong meat. So we have milk. We have meat. We have strong meat. And there are different levels because it is growth and it is a process. In 1 John, for example, you see little children, young men, and fathers. So you see this pattern throughout Scripture. So where are you? Are you on milk, meat, or can you handle strong meat? Well, as far as strong meat goes, here's how you know. Look again at Hebrews 5, verses 13 through 14. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. See, the Bible says that strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. They're the fathers. But do you know what the term full, of full age means? It means perfect. In fact... The exact same Greek word used here in Hebrews 5.14 is also used in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that Jeff preached on a couple weeks ago. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 7. Howbeit we speak wisdom among, among them that are perfect, among them that are of full age. It is the exact same Greek word. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So there it is. Do you want to know if you've graduated to strong meat? Well, there's one clue. Are you able to get for yourself that hidden wisdom, that hidden manna that Jeff talked about when he covered this passage? Can you dig into those seven mysteries he outlined, for example, and understand them and make application for yourself? Do you understand what Christ in you, the hope of glory, really means? Do you know what it is to be in Christ and have Christ in you? That's strong meat, man. That's the hidden wisdom for those that are perfect, that are mature. And that should be the goal, to get to that place in your life. So here is just your practical application tip of the morning. 
get discipled, go to MTT, go to LFBI, and then go serve the Lord with your life, wherever he has you. And if you don't think all that's for you, well, do something. Do something to learn the Bible, or, or more importantly, do something that will get you to love the Bible. Because your handle on the Word of God is the first clue to tell you if you are carnal or not. Later on in this epistle, in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Paul says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children. I mean, in the hate in your heart. Kids by nature don't have that hate in your heart. So in malice, be, be like kids. But in understanding, be men. When it comes to the Word of God, are you a baby, a child, or a man? Be a man. Or, or a woe man. I mean, that works too. And then in verses 3 through 7, we see a second characteristic of carnal Christians. And that is their focus is on men and not the Lord, including and mostly themselves. Look at verse 3. For ye are yet carnal. See, I, I was nicer than Paul. I said, are ye yet carnal? I'm letting you decide. Paul decided for them. Paul says, for ye are yet, there's no question mark, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? That's rhetorical, by the way. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye have believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So here you see that Paul calls these Corinthians carnal because there is envying and strife and divisions. We, we saw this also in chapter 1. They were comparing who baptized who, and Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize none of y'all. Now they're comparing you know, who led who to the Lord, who discipled who. And it's carnal because, again, it relates to spiritual growth. And it's childish. It's what kids do. But way too often, it's what Christians do, too. It's what churches do. It's a focus on people and not the Lord. It's a focus on personal fleshly desires over God getting the glory. So just know that any time there are people bickering and backbiting and running down folks, running down leaders and saying this one is better than that one, know that those folks are being controlled by their flesh. And you can know that because that's what the Bible says. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, it says it is a work of the flesh. And you can look at that passage on your own. But the works of the flesh include everything discussed in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 3 through 7. And works of the flesh are to be condemned. They are carnal. And I'm not saying the folks don't have valid reasons to be upset at times. I'm not even saying that the leaders of churches or this church or any church are perfect and don't make mistakes. But I am saying very clearly that there is a biblical way to deal with others no matter who they are, and envying, strife, and divisions are not the way. It's carnality. James tells us this. He even calls it devilish. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. 
It says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if, you, if, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, that envying and strife, that wisdom you think you're sharing with these other people, that descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to get caught up into anything that God calls earthly and sensual and devilish and an evil work. Those are serious words, man. But too many times, this type of sin gets brushed under the rug and even worse, spiritualized. Someone's going to backbite and cause division and strife. It's like, yeah, but, but, but we, need to, we need to pray for them. No, man, that is carnality. Don't spiritualize it. Listen, it is not spiritual. It is fleshly. It is earthly. It is sensual. It is devilish. And you may think, well, that's a little strong, isn't it? I mean, I may gossip a little bit. I may envy a little bit. Maybe even cause a division here or there. I'm not carnal. I'm not worldly. I love the Lord. I'm a faithful servant. And, and praise the Lord. I hope you are. I'm sure your reasonable service is considered. <laughs> but let's examine this for a second. I told you earlier the word carnal means exactly what we just saw out of the book of, of James. Fleshly, worldly, temporal. And, and so let me give you an example. In Latin and French, the word carna means sensual. We saw that, we saw that uh, reference in, in James as well. So by way of example, we get our word carnival from two words, carne vale, which means farewell flesh or farewell to meat. And historically, the carnival, the carnival was something the Catholic Church and Greek Orthodox Church, they celebrated before the season of Lent. And it's not just history, it obviously still goes on today. But during Lent, they would practice farewell to the flesh with certain denials of pleasure to the flesh, in particular, the eating of meat. But it, but it didn't stop there. So just before Lent, they would gorge themselves. They would eat, drink, and be merry, just to satisfy all their fleshly desires that they were going to give up during Lent. That's the carnival. That's the carnival. An obvious example of this in America is Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Mardi Gras is, is a French for Fat Tuesday, and refers to the Tuesday before Lent when the partying climaxes. And I, and I think you know the debauchery, the sinfulness that occurs in those settings. That farewell to flesh, that Fat Tuesday celebration, is lewd. It is a slap in the face to God and the things of God. I know most of you would never even consider putting yourself in that situation, participating in things of that nature. But here's what you have to understand. When you live a life of envying and strife and divisions and comparisons, your life is just as much as a carnival as what happened in New Orleans on Fat Tuesday a couple weeks ago. And when you do that with others in the church, then you bring that carnival circus in here. And it is a slap in the face to God. He deserves better than our carnality. 
And so what you have to get out of this is you don't have to be openly sinful and worldly like you see in New Orleans during Mardi, Mardi Gras to be carnal. You just have to love yourself more than you love God. And again, that can even be true of spiritual things, like who led you to the Lord, and who discipled you, or what you do for Him versus what someone else does. That's where the Corinthians were focused. And Paul had to remind them, it doesn't matter who does what. We all have our different roles. Paul says, you know, I planted. That was my role. I was to come in and to start the work. That's what God called me to do. I had my role. Now Apollos has come in, now he's watering. He's doing his thing. You know what? We're nothing. It's God that gives the increase. Everyone has different roles. Some are pastors, some are not. Some are deacons, some are not. There's different roles in the body of Christ. You have your role. It doesn't matter. It's no greater or worse than anyone else's. It's God that gives the increase. If anything good is going on, it's God who's doing it. And this is so subtle, but you need to listen to these next words that are about to come out of my mouth. Especially for everyone who's involved in ministry. Listen, sometimes we care more about what we are doing in ministry than what God is doing in that ministry. And I don't know if you caught that. I said something right there. Because it doesn't matter if you are living it up on Fat Tuesday or just ministering in the flesh with your own desires and your own goal of giving the increase. Either way, that's carnal. Romans 8, 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Whatever it is, if it's in the flesh, God cannot get behind that. It's being driven by our old man that fleshly man instead of the new man in Christ. And what do we say in Discipleship 1 about this battle between the old man and the new man? Whoever you feed the most will gain control. So are you feeding the new man the milk, meat, and strong meat of the Word of God more than you are feeding the old man envy and strife and division? Or is it vice versa? Because however you answer that question will we'll tell you if you're carnal or not. Listen, this doesn't have to be a mystery. Paul lays it out pretty clearly, pretty simply. It will tell you if you're growing spiritually or not. Because again, carnality is directly associated with spiritual growth, or, or the lack of spiritual growth, I should say. So if you want to honestly answer the question, are you yet carnal, there are your clues. Do you have a handle on the Word of God? Are you just on milk, or can you feed yourself with meat and strong meat? Then where is your focus? Do you focus on others? Do you focus on yourself? Or do you focus on the Lord? Do you try to do right by Him, focusing on Him and how He is the one that gives the increase in everything? These are the areas where growth is needed in our life. Spiritual growth that will keep us from the carnality that so plagues this age. So if you're asking, how do I grow? That's it. You know, the word grow is found nine times in the New Testament. And if groweth is in there three times and grown maybe once or something. So, you know, not a ton of times in the, in the New Testament you see the, the concept of growing. 
Um, th there's other ways to describe it, but, but those specific words are only found, you know, a dozen times or so. And most of the time, it's, it's, um, it's, it's not instructive. It's just sort of generalized. There's one time that we're really told what we need to grow in. And that's found in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. And he says, You therefore, beloved, see, you know these things before. Which, if you look at that phrase, these things, you're going you're gonna to trace back to chapter 1 of that book to see what those things are and how those help your growth, how those are the process of growth. So, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, right? There's an aspect of, of carnality in there and falling from what God has, has brought you to. In verse 18, he says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we're instructive, instructively told to grow in two things. To grow in grace and to grow in knowledge of the Lord. Well, listen, focusing on the grace that God has bestowed upon you, that will keep your eyes on Him. It will keep you ministering for Him. It will keep you from envy and strife and division. How can you allow that stuff in your life when your focus is grace? When you're going to grow in that? You say, God, teach me grace. I want to grow in this. And you're going to study grace. And you're going to apply those grace principles in your life. There's going to be no room for envy, strife, and divisions. And then what else? I grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Where is that found? It's found in the Word of God. To Him be glory. Not you, not me. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. So do you know where you stand? What bucket are you in today? Natural, carnal, or spiritual? What bucket are you in? And if you're in the spiritual bucket, praise the Lord. But you have to keep going. Because that flesh is going to keep fighting. And it's going to try to try to drag you back to carnality. So keep growing. Keep learning. Keep your focus. Grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. But if you're in the natural or the carnal bucket, I hope you decide to make a change today. Because there's something else you need to know. That's point number two. You have to know why it's serious. And what we're talking about is serious business today because of what verse 8 says. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Right? There's different roles in the body, but it's for one mission, man. We are about the same thing. He said, you know, I was doing my thing, Apollos is doing his thing, but we're one. And then he says this, And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And I'm not going to get into the details of that because that's what you're going to get next week. But that phrase at the end of that verse, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, that phrase should bring the fear of God into you a little bit. Because what you're going to see next week is, is that Paul is saying, all this matters. This is very serious for us to consider. Because there is coming a day that we will stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, and give an account for what we did on this earth, whether it be good or bad. 
Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And at the judgment seat of Christ, as we see in verse 8 of our text, we have the opportunity to receive rewards. But you are also going to see that you can suffer loss. And it all depends on how we spend the one life we've been given. And like I said, if you want the details of how all that's going to play out, you have to come back next Sunday. But I will say this. If you live your life in the carnal bucket, the judgment seat of Christ will not be a good day for you. So are you yet carnal? Or even worse, are you natural? If so, take courage and take a step to change today. Don't let the fear of the unknown cripple you and keep you where the devil wants you. Listen, this is a big deal to God. Because you see this concept, and again, I'm, I'm, for illustrative purposes, I'm saying, you know, these three buckets. You see this concept, you see this pattern throughout Scripture. And that's the story of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They're a perfect picture of what we've been talking about this morning. The nation of Israel and Egypt pictures the natural man. Egypt is a picture of the world, and Israel was in bondage to the world. They were enslaved to Pharaoh. That describes the natural man perfectly, in bondage to this world, enslaved to the God of this world. But then along comes Moses. And he leads the people out of Egypt as God accepts the blood of a lamb without blemish at Passover. The nation passes through an opening in the Red Sea that closes behind them. What a beautiful picture of the new birth of being born again through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. It's a move from the natural to the spiritual. And at this point, the nation of Israel is to make their way to Canaan, the promised land, the land of plenty, the land of blessing, the land that God promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 15. The Bible says that was to be an 11-day journey. You can see that at the beginning of Deuteronomy. And maybe it was to, with the amount of people they had. Maybe it was going to take longer. It doesn't matter. The point is that from being born again to spiritual maturity is a process. That's God's plan, but it doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time, but not forever. It's not supposed to take 40 years, I'll tell you that. It's supposed to happen. Because God brought them out so that he could bring them in. And he does the same with us. He brings us out of the world and out of the bondage of sin that he can bring us into him, into the fullness of his love, into the fullness of his grace, into his plan and purpose. How do we miss that? I don't know how we do, but we do. And Israel did too. They start their journey and they land in Kadesh Barnea. And they send out 12 spies. To go look at the promised land, right? They're a little nervous. Hey, why don't we call out 12 spies and why don't we tell them what what it looks like over there? And the report comes back that the land is better than you could even imagine. Better than you could even imagine. It's a land that floweth milk and honey. But 10 of the 12 spies said that in spite of how great the land was, it was too dangerous to go. It's going to cost too much. The battle was too risky. The nation of Israel listened to the majority. They let their fear cripple them. And they wandered for 40 years. And it's a picture of the carnal man. Because what did they do in the wilderness? They envied, they had strife and divisions, they complained and gossiped, they disobeyed the law, they built idols and not learn and heed the word of God. And they would go back and forth 
in this state of the carnality. Sometimes they would have a good day and they'd live a little closer to the spiritual man and then they'd fall back and they would fall back near, you know, living more like a natural man and they would just kind of bounce back and forth in this wilderness. And we do the same thing. Wandering back and forth in this wilderness of carnality. Well, you know, we have pretty good days and we might read the Bible in the morning and, and oh yeah, I'm going to do it right. And then a week later, we're back over here, closer to the natural man, just forgetting, this, the, forgetting the things of God, not spending time in the Word of God. All because we don't love the Word of God enough and we love ourselves too much. And so we're going to satisfy our flesh, and then, well, okay, I, I feel bad, so let me try to come back over here. And we're just wandering in the wilderness of carnality. We're good Laodiceans, man. We're not hot or cold. We're wandering around in the middle. It's lukewarm. You can see this pattern all throughout Scripture. I mean, you can see the pattern from a spiritual sense in the tabernacle. You know, and the, you'll leave the outer court and move into the inner court, but never quite get, can get into that most holy place. And I know in the Old Testament, only the high priest could go, but man, that veil's been torn. You can go. Go to the spiritual man. Don't wander. Don't stay in the inner court. For you, for you LFBI students, do a study of the wisest man in the Bible. He wrote some books. Among many things. You know what Proverbs is a message to? The natural man. You know what Ecclesiastes is a message to? The carnal man. You know what Song of Solomon is a message to? The spiritual man. You see this pattern all throughout the Bible because it is a big deal to God. He cares where you're at. Do you? Are you going to wander in, the, in this wilderness of carnality? Or are you going to decide to live your life according to what the Bible says, who it says you are, and how it says you should live your life? That's the only way to bring Him glory. You've got to be spiritual. Are you going to let that be your life? Are you going to let this be your life? God forbid. Choose change today. And listen, I know I've beat you up a little bit this morning. And I beat you up because the text beat me up. And I had to do right by the Bible. But let me, let me end where I started. God is a loving and gracious and merciful and long-suffering God. And if you will take a step in the right direction today, God will meet you there with open arms. But God is also just. And if you decide that you need to move, you know you need to move, but you decide to stay. God will hold you accountable. And that's next week. <laughs> so let's pray.